everybody. Welcome to another episode of Points on the Board. I'm one of your hosts, Big John, and with me tonight, my co-host, Mr. William Del Pilar. Oh, William, yeah. how, how you doing tonight? You know, I'm hanging tough. I got to be honest. I'm, ex- uh, I'm normally not a hoops guy except for March Madness, and I'll be quite honest. I'm looking forward to seeing Coach K in, uh, in, uh, in uh, possibly his last game. Uh, I mean, I love Coach K for one reason. What's that? He teaches his players to be men, grown men. They, okay. They get educated. They get a degree. You know, they're, they're the role model of what, uh, unlike Kentucky, one and done now. <laughs> yeah. but, okay. but I'm looking forward to that game later. That's good. But do you know what I noticed? You copped out. You said Coach K. Why don't you try pronouncing his name? Oh, yeah, that's easy. Coach Krzyzewski. But don't yeah, ask There me you go. There you go. See, I was trying to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I was trying to trap him and he saw right through it and he came through with Krzyzewski. The man with no vowels in his name, I think. I have more problems with Gorgopolos. Yeah, me too. Me too. Geerdropolos. Yeah. And I deal with Krzyzewski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I I do too. I do too. Who is that guy? I have no idea. But uh, anyway, William, today we're going to have a great show. We're going to talk Major League Baseball. We're going to talk about some of the free agent signings, some of the moves going on, some fantasy baseball picks. Uh, We've got those teed up. We're going to talk about... Uh, Tyreek Hill, the big trade in the NFL. We're also going to talk a little bit, let's integrate a little bit of uh, politics into our sports sports talk, William. We're going to talk about New York City, its ridiculous vaccine mandate, and what's the latest news on that? It's going to affect a lot of the local teams in the New York market, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, in the country. So, William, having said that, let's go straight ahead and introduce our guest for the show. Uh, He is a fantasy baseball writer for Baseball Prospectus. He's a multiple Fantasy Sports Writers Association, that's FSWA for short, award winner for his work. Uh, He was the number one ranked fantasy baseball ranker over a three-year period, which means he did not get lucky once, ladies and gentlemen. He didn't guess one year and end up on top. It's consistency, baby. Three seasons in a row, overall number one ranked uh, fantasy baseball prognosticator. Uh, of course, he was also a sports grumbling OG, uh, going back to the original incarnation of this site. So ladies and gentlemen, always, uh, it was such a great time having him uh, on a couple of shows ago. We invited him back, Mr. Tim McCullough. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, always good to have you aboard, my friend, to talk some baseball. Uh, and you know, there's been a lot of moves uh, you know, once the lockout ended, that opened the floodgates, uh, Tim, and we had a whole bunch of uh, moves seemingly uh, hit us in a flurry. So let's go over a couple of them. And I'm going to uh, ask Big John, yes. I, I have to say this. What's that? You know, that intro was phenomenal. Yeah. But I couldn't help but think of, you know, Tim McCullough. The Buffalo Bills of fantasy baseball. Oh, oh, consistency. Oh, consistency. Oh, no. Oh, no. But oh, they didn't no. win the big one. Oh. <laughs> I'm oh, just playing man. with you, Tim. Tim, that William, you know, he's he's got a he's got a barbed tongue. You know what I mean? He's a silver-tongued <laughs> devil when it comes to shooting you with his barbs. Yeah, Thank I God I have one friend, my wife. <laughs> just gotta watch my back. <laughs> All right, Tim, uh, let's get right into it because I want to get as much of your thoughts as possible when it comes to uh, baseball. So first of all, uh, give me the one signing that surprised you the most uh, in your opinion uh, so far. It's a tie. Okay. Okay. Uh, It would be between Carlos Correa signing for three years with the twins of all teams uh, and Chris Bryant being signed by the, the Colorado Rockets. Mm, yeah. it, it's a real tie between those two for different reasons, completely different reasons. All right. Let's hear those reasons, man. All we right. don't know what's going well, on. Korea, Korea, everybody was expecting him to come up with a, you know, a six, seven, eight year contract uh, anywhere between 30 and $40 million per year. Right. Uh, that was sort of the expectations so to see him sign for what was it three years and I don't know three years and jump change basically million. yeah I mean it's just not I don't think anybody expected him to take a three year contract uh, not at his age um, right. 
Yeah. So, you know, when he finishes up with this contract, what's he going to be? He'll be 30 years old. You know, at that point, the conversation will be, well, you know, he's in his 30s now. Nobody's going to sign him to a long term deal. So I don't know. I mean, I, I was just really surprised that he would take a three year deal like that. Do you think that I, maybe he was betting on himself? Well, I think I, I think he's got opt outs too mm. in the deal. He may have an opt out after one or two years, uh, which you which would give him the opportunity to hit the market again. I'm not sure about that though. I'd have to check okay. on the, uh, I'd have to check on the opt-outs, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would do that at his age. I mean, he can have a catastrophic injury anytime in the next two, three years. And then he can forget about a long-term contract. And that, and that production coming out of shortstop, you would think he could probably milk it for a lot more than he actually got. Right. Yeah, I mean the problem well, well, is. We, well, hold on, fellas. Uh, I mean the Astros uh, supposedly uh, they stuck to their guns uh, with a five-year, hundred and sixty million dollar offer. So uh, 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 the question becomes: Is uh, why didn't he go with that route uh, versus a three-year, one hundred and five million? He, in other words, he left forty-five million or fifty-five million on the table. It's him. Do you think it's a possibility that the short shortstop? Uh, are that it's like they're, they're known for fielders uh, Ozzy Guillon you know that's all he ever did with field uh, can this guy hit is he somebody who uh, 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 is, is that type of player where even at an age 33 if he still has the bat uh, he'll be able to command that type of contract because those players uh, are extremely rare at shortstop and, and second base correct me if I'm wrong right yeah no he can hit there's no question he can hit I mean he's a he's a career 277 hitter uh, which is nothing to sneeze at. Um, you know, he's been cutting down on the strikeouts in recent years, upping his walk rate. Um, he's, he's gotten his OBP, his OBP last season was 366. So there's no question he can hit, scored 104 runs. Uh, he works uh, at or near the top of just about any lineup. Um, it's really, you know, he's going to the Twins, the team doesn't have a great lineup to start with. They just got rid of Josh Donaldson, one of their better hitters at third base. I don't know. I, I just, I find the whole move surprising uh, for, for him. I, I, I well, it's the, it's gotta be the opt out it. He can actually opt out after the first two seasons. Uh, so he can test the market as early as next off season to be truthful. So at 27 right now, you know, he'll theoretically be 28, 29, when he's testing the market again and believe it or not, you know, psychology, there's a, there's that, there's that mark in our heads, 29, he's still young, 30, boom, you know? So if he can counter that, uh, because here's what I tell people when it comes to front offices, just like we say about boardroom people, about actors, celebrities, they actually, they don't have this magic crystal ball that gives them wisdom on everything. Right. They think like we do at times, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, he's also, he's a Scott Boris client. Oh, there you go. Well, that's so, actually more puzzling. They I can't. Money. I can't imagine Boris actually advising him to take a three-year deal. I don't, they must have something else. They must have. Know, there's there's, there's got to be something in there that, that, that favors him. I don't know. I, I just. Tim. Tell the audience quickly about Scott Boris and what kind of uh, agent. I mean, to me, he's the devil incarnate in terms of uh, people who love the sport versus the money. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people blame him for the current status. I do. Uh, of the players uh, and where they're at and the fact that he's, you know, um, so difficult to negotiate with. He always waits until, you know, the market he's a greedy is greedy little pig. Yeah. Right down, you know, right down to the nitty gritty to sign his players. Um, you know, on the other hand, I, can you argue with what the guy has done and the kind of money he has made for his players? I don't know. Oh, no, can. not at all. But I do think that, that that he is hastening the death of baseball. I don't think baseball is going to be around 200 years from now. Well, so I don't know. I, well, you know, we could get into a real discussion about who's <laughs> killing baseball here. I got to tell you, Boris isn't high on my list. Rob Manford would be the guy uh, uh, that I would point to there. And, and again, let's point out an agent's job is not to preserve the legacy of baseball. It's to get the most amount of money for their clients so you can't That's blame right. boris but oh, no no nobody blames boris but at the end of the day 
you also don't ignore who's destroying the game too. You know, I don't blame him for doing his job, but that doesn't deter the fact that he's destroying the game too. How is he destroying the game though? When, when the just... average family can't afford to sit there and take their kids to a game, when everything's jacked up to the point it becomes unaffordable for a family of four. So instead of taking their kids to buying those season passes that, that, that cover, I, I used to sell baseball tickets for a minor well, You know baseball. what, William? You know yeah, what? He doesn't set the ticket prices. <laughs> But also, no, but he also, also doesn't but, like to check. Hey, Tim, have you ever owned a business? Costs always get passed down to the consumer. That's how life works. John can tell you that best. Oh, absolutely. But let's no, also but don't get me wrong. No, no, I don't hold on, William. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, William. Though let's let's also admit that they don't care about the the stadium attendance anymore because most of their money just comes from that TV deal. But anyway, that's before, true. Before we go down this path, we could save this. This is see. I feel another show coming out of this, so we're gonna put, park that for the moment. But Tim, now you also mentioned Chris. So just to wrap it up, if Korea hold on, did it, hold on, hold on. What is Korea's fantasy value? Well, um, I, I would say it doesn't actually change all that much in Minnesota. Um, it's it's you know at the end of the day, it's not the same. It's obviously not the same quality of lineup uh, that he had in Houston. But I, I still think he can produce, you know, anywhere from 90 to 100 runs scored. I still think he's going to hit 25 home runs or so. Uh, he's still going to bat somewhere around the 270, 280 range. Um, I, I don't see his value changing all that much. Um, he was actually a pretty good bargain in drafts already because uh, so many of the top shortstops are going in the top 50 hitters. I mean, they're just, you know, the top 50 picks is loaded with shortstops and second baseman. I think really? Korea, I, I have to, I'd have to check for sure, uh, but he was going somewhere in the 90s. Uh, so, but, but Tim, is that a product of there aren't that many top hitting second basements and shortstops, or is it just a glut this year and people see the value and want to grab it now? It's definitely top heavy, but there are, there are easily a dozen good shortstops. Uh, in the game. Wow, right that's a lot. You're, I yeah. mean, you're saying a dozen hitting shortstops. Yep. So there Absolutely. you go. See, to me, wow. per, there you go. You got an insight from from Tim here. Absolutely. You might, you might want to wait on a shortstop. You could pick up someone like a Korea. You can't. You can't wait on a shortstop. No, no. But I'm saying you could pick up. A, you think a Korea is going relatively low compared to others, right? In sure. the 90s. So you can wait on them. And but John and is saying he's a value pick. He's a value pick. You he's can definitely get a value and, pick. and pick something up. All right, yep. let's move on. You mentioned Chris Bryant being another one that surprised you. Talk to us about him. Yeah, this was a real shocking deal. More from more from the Rockies standpoint. Um, you know, they 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 traded away Nolan Arenado last year, arguably. Uh, one of the best hitting third basemen in the game. Um, and they traded him away for, for, for peanuts. I mean, they really could have gotten a heck of a lot more for him than they did in that deal. Uh, but he was signed. Now, let me see. I, mean, I got my numbers here. He signed through the 27 season, so 2027, at $30 million a year when he'll be 36 year, years old. That's Arenado. They passed that contract along to the, to the Cardinals. Then they go out this year and sign Chris Bryant, who is already 30 years old, will be 37 when this contract is up, and they're paying him, you know, seven years, $182 million, all told. When you do the math, they saved themselves $32, $32 million. That's it, over six or seven years. Right. Um, for, you know, for... I don't know. And then they're going to play him in the outfield. They're not even going to play him at third base. Really? Um, yeah, they're going to, he's going to primarily play left field. So what does that mean for fantasy owners then in terms of how they view him? Obviously, they got to view him as an outfielder. So where does he stand when compared to the – I mean, where does he fall? In the well, a of outfielders? couple things to keep in mind. They also made uh, – the, the Rockies also made a trade today. I don't know if you heard about this one. They traded uh, Ramel Tapia to yep. the Blue Jays. For Randall Gritchuk, another corner outfielder. <laughs> Although he can play center field, and the Rockies really don't have a center fielder. So it could be that they're going to keep Brian in left. They're going to put Gritchuk in center field. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I don't know, Connor Joe in right field. I don't know. So we'll do see. you 
Does does Brian pick up any value if you're if you're looking for him from a fantasy perspective? Well, from a fantasy perspective, Brian couldn't have landed in a better place, right? right? Because because of the rarefied air and yep, you got the lovely rarefied air there. He's coming off of a down season. You know, he really didn't have a good season last year, right? Uh, And so, you know, he 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 couldn't have landed really in a better uh, in a better place uh, for his overall fantasy value. Uh, you know, I can see his power kind of bouncing back closer to 30 home runs rather than, you know, the 25 he hit last year. So maybe right. he'll hit five, six more home runs. Uh, he should How about have stolen bases. Of, do you see that staying the same or increasing? I'm sorry. Stolen bases. Uh, do you think he'll, he'll increase his 10 from last year? Uh, no, I doubt it. So he's I not a big stealer. You know, uh, I mean, he, he didn't steal any bases in 2020. He only stole four in 2019. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not He's not really a runner. I mean, the only reason he ran probably, uh, most of those stolen bases came after he was traded to San Francisco. Uh, right? So, Tim, you seemed a little uh, not quite knowing how to respond. Is that because you believe they may have overpaid? And doing my research, somebody mentioned that the guy's – barely worth a hundred million, much less 180 million in the article. And, uh, uh, and then you kind of hand in hearts kind of not in a good or bad way. Just, is that partially because maybe you think they overpaid or do you think they got him at a good deal? Uh, but they saved 30 million, you said. So maybe that's what they were looking at. Well, I think it's, yeah, they saved themselves $30 million over the what five or six, what six or seven years, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between the two. And I, and of course, Arnold didn't want to play in Colorado because they didn't like, you know, what they were doing in terms of uh, constructing the roster. And you can't argue with the guy. But did they overpay? I don't think they did overpay. A lot of people are concerned that Bryant really hasn't been the same hitter since he had his uh, hip surgery a couple of years ago. Uh, But I thought that this past season was sort of a bounce back for him. Uh, He certainly rebounded in terms of, you know, batting average at the Batting 206 last year, um, I'm sorry, in uh, 2020, you know, he ended up batting 265 this year. His well, on-base skills, you know, his on-base skills returned. The power came back. I mean, it really seems like he's bouncing back. And then, you know, you throw him into Colorado uh, where, you know, half his games will be played in, in you know, uh, a ballpark where you can do no wrong. And, you know, you put the ball in the air and out it goes. Um, yeah, I, I, I see Are we him. looking at another value pick here? Oh, I definitely think he's a value pick. Definitely think he's a value pick. No question in my right. mind. Uh, so I don't know. You, you thought I was hemming and on. I, I don't, I don't think so. So I'm going to ask. I, I, I was thinking of Thurman Thomas when he missed his helmet during that big Buffalo Bills Super Bowl run. You know, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Brian, you know, in terms of, of third baseman, uh, Brian's going somewhere after pick a hundred. So, you know, um, again, third base, third base is the opposite of, of shortstop this year. It's really thin. Uh, you have a few elite players at the top and then it kind of falls off a cliff after there. Um, so I, you know, I would, I, you know, I would definitely take Brian where he's going, uh, right now he's going, you know, after Anthony Rendon trying to pull it up here in NFBC play, he was going somewhere around 110 or so last time I looked. Um, I don't see him in here right now. Right around the eighth or ninth round, depending on how well yeah. your league is. Yeah. Yep. Which, you know, considering how few really good third basemen there are. And but but, but he's playing, I, I don't want to dwell too much longer on this, but he's not playing third base though. No, it doesn't, it doesn't but it matters what he played last year. Okay. Gotcha. gotcha. So he'll, he'll be eligible at third base. So the other guy I want to bring up to make sure you talk about is uh, someone who got caught up in what seemed to be like one of these storybook things and everything. Um, Freddie Freeman uh, leaving Atlanta, ending up with the Dodgers. Uh, talk about possibly the rich getting richer, Tim. Give me your thoughts on both Freeman and the situation in Atlanta, because isn't it a rule of thumb uh with Atlanta, they'd rather let a guy go a year too soon than a year too late. Yeah, but I don't think that's good. That's the case with Freeman here. Uh, it was all about the money here mm. with Freeman. They didn't want to pay him the money, and they were able to make a trade for for a uh, 
a first baseman that, you know, I could argue is, you know, just as good, or he is now, let's put it that way. Uh, He is just as good as Freddie Freeman is right now. We'll see how that plays out over the life of the, over the life of the deal. And, And as far as Freddie Freeman goes, I mean, you're talking a guy who is about as consistent as they come. He's probably the most, one of the most consistent hitters in the game, 25, 30 home runs every year, batting average consistently somewhere up around 290. I mean, he's just a, he's just a real professional hitter. Hey, Tim, I'm going to ask you to readjust your camera a little bit. It kind of, uh, all I'm seeing is your glasses. And while I love your eyes, they're pretty and all. uh, (laughs) Sorry about that. No problem. What did I tell you? He he was disappearing (laughs) like Thurman Thomas's helmet. (laughs) Uh, So so Freeman, a, a really good player going to Los Angeles. Do you see him sort of staying even from a production perspective? Do you see his production going up, down? Is he better protected in that lineup? Is Dodger Stadium more conducive to his style of hitting? How do you see that playing out? Uh, well, in theory, Dodger Stadium is not as hitter-friendly in terms of the home run ball. I don't think it's going to matter. It's not going to matter to a guy like Freeman. It just isn't. Why is that? Uh, and obviously, that, that, that lineup is, is incredibly sick. I mean, it's just a crazy, crazy sick lineup. Um, Somebody came out today and just said, hey, we're going to win the World Series. Somebody from the Dodgers today or yesterday, they just flat out. It's like, so, so, I mean, to have that type of arrogance, you, you've got to have a studly looking lineup there to, to start out with. Well, they, they have the lineup for it. I'm not sure they have the pitching for it, but they've got the lineup for it. They're going to need pitching at some point during the season, unless some of these young guys uh, who have had, you know, difficulty staying on the mound, Right. Uh, step up and all of a sudden start to produce. I, they're going to need pitching. Yeah. I mean, you know, Tyler Anderson and Andrew Heaney are their number four and number five pitchers. Uh, neither one of them are what I would call, you know, anything but a number four or a number five. Um, I mean, they've got a great top three, Bueller, Kershaw, and, and, and Urias. But keep in mind that Kershaw, you know, may or may not make it through the season. May or may not have shoulder or elbow problems. I'm sorry? Isn't Kershaw a choke artist in the playoffs? Yeah, he's got that label. Yeah, I I don't know. That's just what I've read. He's got that label. I don't know that I buy that. I mean, you know, choke artist. I don't think it's a choke (laughs) artist. Is what people just fail to realize. The competition tightens up. It's that simple. Right. It's a whole different thing, too. I mean, who would you rather have over the course of a whole season? Would you rather have Kershaw or would you rather have Tyler Anderson, I, you know, uh, I'd rather have oh, yeah. Kershaw and in a playoff game or a world series game. I, I'd rather, I'd rather give the ball to Kershaw. I don't think he's a choke artist. Yeah. I remember, I mean, in, in these playoff and, and world series games, uh, you, you, you're pitting the best, some of the best lineups in baseball up against these pitchers. Uh, and you know, they're not always going to prevail not in a one game play, you know, they may do better over a series or in the postseason in general, but one game, I don't know. You can't, you can't judge a player by, by one game. You just, you just can't. My, my final question, uh, based off the fact we we're talking about Carrera and, Correct. uh, yeah. uh, uh Freeman's 32 and they signed him this six year contract. So, I mean, so, so is it possible that MLB just sees the longevity of these players where it's, even though you're past 30, they don't view it as your last comp big contract. I mean, 32, he gets a six year, $162 million contract. I mean, they're deferring about 40 million. Yeah. It's still, that's just ungodly money for somebody who's going to uh, be a, a 37 at the end of the contract. I don't know. That I'm sorry, like 39. God. I don't know that it's on ungodly money. Not for a guy like Freeman. I mean, you're, you're, oh, talking, no, no, about one, you're talking about one of the best hitters in baseball. Yeah, no, no, I'm not arguing. It just seems like they were already set with their stud lineup. It seems like, wow, that's a lot more money. It's kind of like the rich getting richer over there in terms right. of players. Well, they were, yeah. they were talking about the, uh, the, the uh, in the collective bargaining agreement, you know, they added another level. Uh, you know, $290 million payroll. You go over that, the, the luxury tax, another luxury tax kicks in. They were calling it the Steve Cohen tax, right? <laughs> well, I, I think it would probably be better called the Andrew Friedman 
tax. You, you know. <laughs> so where does he fall in the grand scheme of fantasy in terms of uh, uh, he's going to be their everyday first baseman, if I'm correct. Uh, so so where's that fall in the pantheon of people? He's a first round pick. Oh, wow. He's, he's absolutely a, a first round pick. No question. Gotcha. And of the first rounders, I mean, uh, there, there, there have been studies out there that, uh, you know, the top 15 hitters, only 40% of them are actually going to produce first round value. I would say that Freeman is probably one of the best bets to return first round value. Excellent. Good advice. Come Now, let me, uh, we've got a few minutes left in this segment. So let me ask you about uh, my favorite part of baseball, which has always been pitching. Uh, you know, before the shoulder went out, Tim, I used to do a little bit uh, back in ancient years in high school. You know how it goes. But, okay. um, but uh, Dude, you would have been like the bird as tall as you were. <laughs> what was his first name? I can't remember the bird. Mark Fidrich. You're thinking Mark, Mark Fidrich. Talking to the baseball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But but I was nowhere as thin as uh, uh, Mark Fidrich. But anyway, here's what I'm saying. Uh, being a New Yorker, being a Mets fan, uh, Scherzer. DeGrom on the mound together. Um, is is the rotation deep enough? Does it go beyond those top two? And tell me what adding Scherzer, his personality, uh, along with DeGrom, what does that mean for the Mets? Does it put well, him in contention? What's going on there? I mean, first of all, it's no longer DeGrom and pray for rain, right? Right. So now it's DeGrom. It's Scherzer, DeGrom, and pray for pray rain. For rain. <laughs> well, they also, they also picked up uh, Bassett, right? Yeah. No, and I like Bassett a lot. And I think his value, you know, you talk about in terms of fantasy value, uh, you know, he's a guy whose fantasy value definitely went up with the move to New York, right. uh, moving to the National League for the American League, get a little bit more of a, a forgiving strike zone in the National League. Um, do Are they deep enough? Uh, you know, the, the big question really is, you know, can Carlos Carrasco give them 140 innings? Can he, right? Tim? I don't know that he can. Um I mean, he looked he looked good at times last year, but I, I wouldn't say he exactly killed it <laughs> with a six oh four ERA. Yeah, um, and he only pitched what fifty three innings last year, so hmm. I, maybe a hundred. Maybe they get a hundred out of him this year if they baby him along, uh, and you know if he's throwing five innings per start, hundred innings, get twenty starts out, twenty of him, starts, yeah. You know, where did the rest come from? Tyler McGill? Um, I don't know. They, you know, I don't think they're deep enough. I don't think they're deep enough at pitcher. I think they're going to need to come up with uh, with some other pitchers here. Um, How long do you think Scherzer lasts? I mean, the guy's 37 years old and was given $130 million. To me, this sounds like a typical Mets deal and why they're always on the outside looking in for a 37-year-old. But what am I looking at wrong? There's no question that it's a risky deal. I mean, would he get a three-year deal? So he'd be 40 years old when this thing is over. But if there's if there's a guy in baseball right now, a pitcher in baseball right now who could pitch into his 40s, I would think it would be Scherzer. I mean, you were, you're talking about one of the most durable arms in the game right now. He was um, hurt last year, though, wasn't he? Um, yeah, I think he had a sore. I think he had a sore elbow at one point. But, I'm not trying to down the pick as much as the reality of somebody who's going after him in fantasy based off of name recognition versus the uh, 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 expectations. So what well, do you expect out of Scherzer this year? Uh, I, I would expect that he's going to put together about as good a season as you've ever seen him put together. Ouch. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah why that's not? a serious statement there, big man. Well, you're talking about a guy with a career 3.16 ERA, right? Uh, and he takes the ball every year, 100 and, 180 innings last year, 179, 172 in 2019. That's a workhorse. 220 in 2018, 200 wow. in 2017. Altogether, he's got over 25 innings, 2,500 innings pitched. What last, was year? last year, 179 innings, 30 starts, plus the postseason. Wow, that's, right? that's a freaking, that's Nolan Ryan. That's plus the postseason, plus he pitched in the postseason. So, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so it should people look at him? Uh, I don't know what his average draft position is, but for a savvy player, I would sit there and think that he would drop. Uh, most people are savvy who play fantasy baseball versus fantasy football. It's such a grind. So do you expect him to drop a bit or do you think he's going to go where he normally goes? Uh, he's right now. He's going 20th, 19th. 
Wow. Uh, 20th player, 19th, 20th player off the board. That's so, a massive respect. Second round. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I will stay away personally. Walker Bueller's, Walker Bueller, Corbin Burns, Shohei Otani, Garrett Cole, are all going, they're all going before him. Yeah, yeah. The guy yeah. everybody's worried about is DeGrom. I was going to say, what about DeGrom coming off the injury? Yeah, DeGrom's DeGrom is a little bit uh, a little bit further, 23rd off the board. Yeah. Now well, he's he, their he's their opening day pitcher was announced. Yeah. I want to say yesterday or today. Yeah, yeah it was. He was announced as the opening day. So to me, maybe that's the value if you roll the dice on someone is that you're rolling the dice that DeGrom comes back healthy. Because when he comes back healthy, he's dominating, right? Well, let's healthy. let's put it this way. I mean, the two are going right next to each other, basically, mm-hmm. Scherzer and DeGrom. Uh, at that pick, at a, at a second round pick, I'm, I'm taking the guy who's been the horse. Not, not the guy who was injured last year and, and could barely throw at times and didn't look good at times. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't take that kind of risk that high. But you're taking Scherzer way more. I would take Scherzer before, before DeGrom any day. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. I mean, in that scenario, yeah. To me, if, if DeGrom's going to the second round, I'm like, I mean, football, it's no different than football. Certain players are like, yeah, I got to see them first before I risk that high of a pick on them. Right. I mean, the way I look at it, it's the first 10 rounds, the first 150 players. Uh, that's where you don't want to take risks. Right. After 150, the variance among players is so great uh, that you know, risk no longer becomes part of the equation. You know, at that point, you're you're looking for upside. You're looking for consistency. You're looking for, you know, you're looking to hang your hat on whatever you can hang it on. But for a second round pick, I would never take the ground this year. Not All a right. chance. There you go. That's some great. Uh, that's some great insight right there. All right, Tim. Uh, let's move on because we could talk free agents all show. Unfortunately, we don't have all show to talk about. Yep. So give me. One or two prospects that owners should keep their eye on, maybe mid-season call-ups, maybe September call-ups, but somebody who might help your fantasy team uh, as a as a prospect. I you think you're going to see – I've got two players for you. Um, I think you could see them probably in mid-May. I wouldn't okay. be surprised if they were up that soon, both of them. Uh, one would be Julio Rodriguez, outfielder for uh, the Mariners. <laughs> I'm just laughing. Julio Rodriguez. That's like John Smith in America. You know? <laughs> well, William, you got to. Was pronounce- John Smith to you? <laughs> you yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, um, William, you have to pronounce it properly. Julio Rodriguez. 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 Oye, Julio. Give me a penny. You got all that money. All right. You're talking about uh, your classic five tool power speed type wow, player. Five tool. Yeah, absolutely. Five tool. Yep. Um, this year though, uh, there's no reason why he can't bat somewhere in the 275 to 290 range. I mean, he's got those kind of bat to ball skills along with decent power and he can run. I wouldn't be surprised if he went 15, 15, 15 homers, 15 stolen bases this year, uh, with a decent average along with an OBP somewhere around. 350. I mean, his pitch recognition and, and plate discipline numbers are off the charts in the minor leagues. And what I expect it to trend him? it. Outfielder. Outfielder. And, and right. he could swipe a couple of bases for you, Tim? Absolutely. I, so absolutely. If you're I think talking he, May. Good pair. Anywhere from 10 to 15, anyway. If you're talking May, that's the type of player I'm looking to draft just to secure a state of my lineup uh, because there's free agency so. So it's uh, unless you're watching your damn leagues management software uh, that one player can uh, uh, grab him so that is he somebody people should target towards the end of the draft yeah i would definitely go for him at the end of the draft or in the reserve round if he can get away with it but um yeah definitely uh he should be targeted um the other guy i think we're going to see this year and he actually may come up with the team uh got to keep an eye on it is riley green Another outfielder, this time for uh, Detroit. Hmm. Uh, this is another guy with terrific power skills. I mean, he's light tower kind of power. I mean, he's really, this kid's strong. Um, batting average won't be as high as Rodriguez, more like a 265, you know, 255, 265 kind of hitter. And he also doesn't have the on-base 
skills and pitch recognition that 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 uh, Rodriguez has. I would put his OBP closer to somewhere in the 310 to 320 range. Uh, but he could definitely hit 20 home runs this year, maybe even 25, and swipe you maybe a dozen bases. Ooh. So this is another guy you should definitely I, – I don't know that I'd target him in drafts unless you hear that he's going to come up with the team. Uh, but I would maybe, maybe in the reserve rounds, and I would certainly keep an eye on him once the season begins. Tim, for people who don't necessarily play fantasy baseball or have had limited experience, because in the in fantasy football, we don't have reserve rounds. So what are reserve rounds for that? Oh, uh, uh, you bench players. You bench. You you bench players in, in fantasy oh, football. Oh, that's the right? term you gave it. I, I, yeah. th- I thought at the end of the draft, it's like, we have reserve round draft coming up. Oh, in baseball, we call it the reserve rounds. Yeah, gotcha, right, gotcha. Right. <laughs> okay, so that's okay. So, so now we got it. Okay, so we got uh, two good outfield prospects for Tim, uh, f- uh, from Tim, rather, I should say. Uh, so, Tim, let me ask you this uh, We're going to try very hard uh, to lure you back to the SG fold if for no other reason for your commentary here on the show. Okay, uh, so let's let's start something tonight that we think and hope is going to be a semi-regular feature, if not more than more frequent than that. So let's call it Tim's tidbit when Tim's it comes to baseball, fantasy tidbit. or otherwise. So this is you freestyling. Give us a, drop us a little bit of Tim knowledge to let us know something we might not know, might not know already. Something you don't know already. All right, fine. I can do that. Um, I've been waiting on second baseman. Uh, we, we talked earlier about shortstop, right? Right. Uh, but I've been waiting on second base. I'll, now, keep in mind that a lot of these shortstops are dual eligible this year. Yeah. It's just one of those quirks uh, this year. We, t- we have a ton of, of guys who are eligible, both short and second base. So I've been taking them as shortstops. Uh, if I get, you know, if I get a first round pick, uh, if I get the first pick in the first round, I'm taking Trey Turner. Hmm. I mean, you can't, you know, he's another guy who will definitely return first round value as long as he stays healthy. Right. But then you've also got, I mean, you've got Tatis who's now hurt. Uh, but, uh, you know, Marcus Semien. Uh, Whit Merrifield is eligible at second base and outfield. Uh, you got all these dual eligible guys. Uh, is more, geez. Javier Baez is another one. Wow, uh, so anyway, I've been holding off on second base. I've been taking my shortstop early and then holding on second base, holding on for second base. Uh, and the guy I've been going after there uh, finished in the, uh, w- was last year's, um, uh, rookie of the year, and that's Jonathan India. Love this kid. Now, he plays for the Reds, and the Reds just got finished decimating their lineup. But India's going to bat probably at the top of the order. Uh, and he's got terrific, you know, bat the ball skills and good on base skills. I think India's going to steal 25 bases this year uh, as a second baseman. And he's going to provide you a decent power and a decent batting average. And you can wait on him. You can get him somewhere around. Let's see, where's he going right now? It's been moving. Right now, he's up to ninety. Prior, prior to that, he he was going somewhere in the in the one ten range. So he's been moving up of late. And I should probably check the latest drafts. Hey, uh, they... uh, Tim. Yeah. On Trey Turner, are you a believer in I'm playing for a contract? type players because isn't he playing for a contract in essence um uh, well yeah i mean he'll be a free agent at the end of this year um is he playing for a guy i think he's already played for it i mean so he is, no matter how he does he's gonna get no that matter what he contract. does this year he's already he's already earned his stripes uh I, I don't see his value changing all that much unless he has this incredible you know 30 30 season or 30 40 season but I, I don't see that coming. He doesn't get, doesn't really got that kind of power. Mm. Um, but anyway, yeah, India. Let's see. Let me see where he's moved. See in recent drafts. Yeah. Now, recently, actually, he is going up around one ten or so. Where is he now? He's not at ninety anymore. Not in the nineties anymore. So he's dropping a little, huh? Yeah, he's dropping down. 
And that's probably because uh, of the fire sale that they've had in Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Jonathan India, that's Tim's tidbit for this week. He's the second baseman you want and you can wait on him. Um, and, and, and I highly advise. There you go. Tim's tidbit. And like I said, we're going to try to entice Tim back by giving him his Tim tidbit uh, every so often to talk baseball. Tim, listen, as always, it's been fantastic having you on the show. We, we're going to always uh, make time for you. So keep your schedule open. And everybody, please remember, go check Tim McCullough out, writer for Baseball Prospectus, original OG Sports Grumblings. And also you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, it's there uh, on the screen for you, at Tim's Tens. Follow him on Twitter. Read his stuff over fan, uh, Baseball Prospectus. Tim, we'll catch you next time, my friend. Thank you for your time. All right. Thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. Thank See you, you next Tim. time. It was a pleasure. See you, Tim. We'll be right back. Yeah, so, William, listen, lots of blockbusters. We've already talked about it in the NFL, but with the quarterback trades, the free agents, uh, lots of going on. But you know what? The NFL refuses to even let us do one show where we don't mention a blockbuster move this offseason. We had another blockbuster trade in the NFL, William, only this time it wasn't a quarterback. It was a wide receiver. Tyreek Hill being traded from the Chiefs to the Dolphins for five, count them, five draft picks. It went down like this. The Chiefs send Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. The Dolphins sent back to Kansas City uh, a first-round pick this year, a second-round pick this year, numbers 29 and 50. And next year, uh, and I'm sorry, and also a fourth-round pick this year, and then fourth and sixth next year. So a one, two, and four this year, a four and six next year that's five total picks and then that that wasn't the end of the saga as soon as uh hill landed in miami he gets a four-year 120 million dollar extension 72 million of it fully guaranteed and 52 and a half due at signing this dude made himself some bank uh he is now the highest paid receiver in nfl history uh which of course now surpasses Devontae Adams being the highest paid receiver in NFL history just a few short weeks ago. William, what do you make of this trade? Did you see it coming? What's going on here? With the animal lovers, it makes perfect sense. A cheetah can run at 70 miles an hour. A dolphin, can only, a dolphin can only swim at 18. <laughs> it, it, it was there to be made that deal. <laughs> and look, uh, Devontae Adams may have ended the Chiefs dynasty. Look, the Cheetah is a piece player for the Chiefs, but he's one of the most important pieces because of his speed. What I'm trying to say is, uh, Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, oh, Patrick, that's his brother's name, isn't it? No, no, Patrick Mahomes. No, okay, yeah. Patrick Mahomes, uh, he made Patrick Mahomes look good, mm -hmm. but he needed Patrick Mahomes. He needs Patrick Mahomes more than Patrick Mahomes needs him. I truly believe the generational talent of Mahomes is, is better than, say, some of the players I'm going to compare him to. But players like Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre, they make uh, – even Troy Aikman in the schemes, combination of schemes and, and the QB. Uh, uh, but they have made receivers look better than they are. And Patrick Mahomes, I think, makes, makes – uh, makes the cheetah look better than what he really is. But I'm not, that doesn't mean he's not a top tier receiver because the cheetah Tyree Hill is a top tier receiver, but he's going to, his numbers, I would drop him a little, hmm. but at the end of this, at the end of the day and talking about the trade itself, this was a no brainer. The moment the, I mean, we were all shocked because nobody knew what was happening behind right. the scenes. Right. But when you take a step back and you look at the players, the Devonte Adams contract, dropping like it did and the chiefs being almost done with negotiations for an extension for hill but the uh what's the word here well uh, the x factor was hill's agent drew rosenhaus, drew rosenhaus. we just talked about scott boris right in, ML, in, 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 in major league baseball as an agent well ironically drew rosenhaus is his opposite, not his opposite, his peer right. on the NFL side. And the moment he saw Devontae Adams' contract, he just told the team, my guy's got to be the highest paid contract. And if you can't do it, let's find a suitor and work out a trade. So it right. went from that perspective, 
it to be a win-win. Now, ironically, what I would have done, I would have shipped them out to the New York Jets, <laughs> and the Jets already had a deal in place. But right, the but Dolphins, the, Jets, it, the Jets were not willing to to part with their first. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which is ironic, uh, and I don't blame the Chiefs for, for going with the Dolphins deal. But the Dolphins pick is only a few picks ahead of the Jets. You know, it's a low end number one. That's why I don't view it as a blockbuster deal on the equivalent. Uh, level of uh, of what we've seen already happen with Deshaun Watson, right, Devontae right. Adams, those because uh, the best the Chiefs can do is bundle a lot of those picks up to move up if they really want to maximize this deal. But the Chiefs are going to hurt without Tyreek Hill. You cannot teach speed, and the Dolphins will improve. But overall, I do believe that his numbers will be lower. Why? Uh, obviously, the offense is in rebuild mode, new head coach, new schemes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. But but help me out here. Who's that other speed? Who's cheater number two they have over uh, there? Miami? Yeah, I forget his name. Uh, uh, Jalen Waddle. There yeah, you go. He's going to be a second-year player. And actually, I would argue that the big winner in all this is Waddle. Because I, now – And I would agree. He's not going to get all the attention. Rightfully so. It's going to go to Hill. So I think Waddle is going to open up for him. On the Kansas City side, they did sign Schuster – so they oh, but, but hold on, before you go to Kansas City. Yeah. What about the running back? Don't they have Mostert on their? Uh, on they their... have Mostert, but more importantly, they have Chase Edmonds. I think those yeah. two guys are—they were free agent signees, so they're going to play there as well. More importantly, they also picked up uh, Armstrong from the Saints to be their left tackle. So now, or their right tackle because two is left-handed, right? So they have now they got some great pieces, right? They got a—they got the best offensive lineman in free agency. Uh, they got two running backs when healthy who are do it all right they're like uh you know they could catch but isn't roster the speed demon yeah so is Edmonds right so they've got yeah. two guys right they're now a fast offense exactly right? and what can a fast office do go downfield I was gonna say anything they want but yeah, yeah. but there's two of big John have the arm that's the thing I think look when you see him playing college, you would say yes, but had, he's never really, in my opinion, come back from that hip injury. Um, I don't know if it's mental or physical, but I don't see him with that kind of arm anymore. But, but hold on, you, you you didn't mention the trifecta. Is it possibly, excuse my French, your piss poor coaching the last three years? It, it and your offensive be. coordinator and your backup QB are shocked You're right. that the head coach benches you without telling anybody. Right. There's a disconnect, right? I, I, I don't disagree with you. It could have been a combination of all three. But if you're going to say what's the X factor on that offense, it's it's definitely Tua. At this point, like if Tua yeah. doesn't succeed with an offensive-minded, quote, genius at head coach, a roster that was built to maximize his talents, whatever talents are there, uh, if he doesn't succeed this year, it's a lot like Daniel Jones. If he doesn't do it this year, yeah. he's gone and he should be gone. On the no, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I interrupted you. What yeah. about the Chiefs? I was going to say, on the KC side, they are losing the speed. And listen, no doubt it hurts, but at least they maximized it. They didn't go into a protracted thing. They didn't want to give up too much of the salary cap to one player at receiver. So they let him go. They get the five picks. But here's also a, a, a sneaky good signing. We've talked about Juju Smith-Schuster when yeah, they signed right. him last week, right? But we, we said he's a number two. He might have to be bumped up to number one temporarily, but here's a good signing that a lot of people won't realize. Uh, they signed uh, Marquez Valdez Scandling today, uh, who was with the Packers. Scandling is a speed guy. He's got like, I think the fourth highest yards per catch uh, out of uh, all receivers in the NFL over the last three, four seasons. He is a speed guy. Uh, we could argue about his hands, whether they're anywhere near as good as Hill's. But That's the problem a, with speed guys. They're yeah, hands. But he's a speed guy. So Kansas City already, has already made a move. Okay, we're not saying uh, MVS is anywhere near Cheetah's skill set, but he provides that element of speed. And when you've got Schuster, who's an upgrade at wide receiver two, he's an upgrade working out of the slot. He's an wor upgrade working on the other side of the field. They may be able to compensate with that. We'll see how, and this will be a testament to whether Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are true offensive geniuses. What can they make out of this? But well, that's John, a, do they really have to change their offense? I mean, the truth of the matter, they no, run a modified West Coast offense. And let's so, see what and, you're right. And let's see what happens in the draft. Like you said, maybe their play is they package a whole bunch of stuff up to get one really good player. Like I hear the Giants are looking to move out of the first round to pick up picks for next year. 
Maybe that's an opportunity for someone like Kansas City to move up and pick up whoever they feel is a missing key to, to their team, whether well, offense or defense, actually. I want to go back to that signing again yeah. uh, real quick because it's a modified West Coast offense, and I'll never forget this. We've talked about it in previous podcasts. Steve Young once said, I, I throw deep, I throw 20 yards, and they run it in for a touchdown. Right. Because that's my job. You know, so my question to you is, I believe Mahomes has the accuracy. The kid's accurate. He can yeah. swing it like a baseball pitcher, yep. uh, and he's accurate. If this kid, young receiver, has hands and he's accurate, what Steve Young talked about is hitting the receiver in stride. Right, if yes. they're able to do that, I don't think they miss Hill a lot, I, I, much. Because at the end of the day, a lot of those big plays that Hill were made, perfect throws, timing was, was everything. People don't realize the little nuance. Sure. Do you think that's possible or do you think I'm reaching? I think you're reaching a, li a little bit because don't forget who, who MVS's quarterback was in Green Bay. It was, it was Rodgers, and, yeah. and nobody ever underestimated Rodgers' arm. I, but the schemes were slightly different. So uh, I think Reed does a lot more. Plus, there's more weapons in Kansas City, right? So there's a lot of different things. I don't know where MVS shakes out, but it's an interesting signing to me because they brought in speed. So let's see what they do. <laughs> yeah. Because they also have Kelsey, right? So when you have Kelsey on, like they didn't have the equivalent of a Kelsey. Rodgers didn't have the equivalent as good as Tanyan was. He wasn't anywhere near Kelsey. Uh, and, and it was just Adams and, and basically whoever right they've been playing Adam. retreads at tight end for years now. yeah so ever since i think their last great tight end was mark chamura and that was like 20 years ago. exactly right? exactly all right so i want to move on uh to close out the show let's talk now about something that's irked both of us and we don't necessarily agree on vaccine policy we don't necessarily agree on mask mandates but i will say one thing john is scared people the new york city uh <laughs> mandate where both private any private sector employee had to be vaccinated in order to be uh, at their workplace uh, is what prevented Kyrie Irving is the best example of someone who could not play uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. He couldn't play road games if they were against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden. But if you were a resident of a state, of a visiting team state, uh, even if you were unvaccinated, you could play. Kyrie Irving, up until last week, wasn't even allowed to sit on the bench. He wasn't even allowed to be in the stands to watch uh, home game, his team's home games. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, uh, he, he's considered, he's a Democrat, but he's considered sort of like, compared to the wacky liberals in New York, he's considered more of a, uh, he's a former cop, so he's, he's more of a, quote, traditional Democrat. Think more of a you know, like a union Democrat, but not necessarily a socialist or a communist Democrat, right? He's close to it, though, based on some of his comments. You know, yeah, but that's another podcast. But I'm saying for New York, <laughs> for a New York Democrat, he's like Trump. You know, they're both New York Democrats. So they yeah. kind of fall in the same thing. But anyway, um, okay, so this story broke. Uh, let's give some kudos out to June Lee and Nick Friedel, the ESPN writers. The um, reason I want to give kudos to those guys yeah. is listed. Is, as you know me, I'm a research hound. Sure. So whenever we research for a podcast, there's a minimum of uh, eight to 10 reports. This report covered it all. Journalism is dead in my eyes. Nothing but a bunch of hack leftists who jump on the bandwagon and do no research and print the, the, the crap that comes out of their mouth so they're accepted and made to feel good. These guys actually hit it on the head. It was a very good article, and they covered every point. And you know me, I'm not an ESPN fan. They're too right. woke for me. But kudos to these two guys. It was it was a uh, concise. That's what you yeah. want. And 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 what was what was the the Adams quote? Basically, Adams is saying uh, it didn't make sense to him, and he and he's putting it on his medical uh, advisor, saying it's time to allow. Uh, this sort of thing. We don't want our New York teams being at a competitive disadvantage. That was it right there, Big John. He yeah. said we were treating our performers differently because they live and play in New York City. And he's absolutely right. Now, we keep talking about Kyrie Irving, uh, but I would were there any Knicks players affected or were they all vaccinated? I think they were all vaccinated because none of them, and if there were any who were unvaccinated, they were probably minor bench players. Right. But uh, the other thing that was important is he made this announcement so it would be in place, uh, this new edict would be in place prior to opening day for the Yankees and the Mets. And of course, even though no one knows for sure, the rumor is that 
Aaron Judge for the Yankees is unvaccinated. So potentially this would have affected one of the Yankees, if not their best player, one of their best young players, uh, where he would have had to sit out half his games at least. And you so, know what? No matter what you no matter no matter if you're a Giants fan, we won't even bring the, the Mets or the Jets in. But if uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what fan of a team you are. Yes. The team for New York City is and will always be the Yankees. Yes, that's where most native New Yorkers feel their loyalty is up to the Bronx for the Yankees and the Giants. Even though they left for Jersey, they're still Giants heads. But you're right. So the point here is like, but here's what's ironic in terms of policy, William, not just sports, but policy. Private business owners still have to deal with this ridiculous mandate. In other words, there's a carve out for the professional sports teams, which makes sense. But if you're a restaurant owner, or here's a perfect example, the ushers and the ticket takers at Madison Square Garden and the Barclays Center have to be vaccinated. That's right. That's right. And we're also talking teachers. Don't forget teachers, police officers, right. Firefighters and the stadium workers. That's what I'm saying. You're saying you're saying so. So while I so listen, everyone knows I'm not like one of these conspiracy rubes when it comes to the vaccine uh, vaccines. I don't think you're just a rube. I don't think there's I don't (laughs) think there's microchips in them. I don't think George Soros is trying to control our minds via vaccine. I don't call it the Kung flu. None of that stuff. Okay, but the truth of the matter is logically speaking that policy was nuts because to say that on the same look either you believe that people need to socially distance and be vaccinated if you think that's a mandate fine but to say that the visiting team by virtue of the fact that their legal paperwork says hey we're residents of utah but when we go to New York, we could be unvaccinated. And somehow we have these magical powers because we're residents of Utah that prevent us from spreading disease or, you know, or whatever. It was a ridiculous policy. It was particularly- well, It exposes the truth, Big John, that this, this was an overblown pandemic when you compare it to the previous pandemics. Look, nobody's an idiot. If there's a pandemic that you're gonna die, you're gonna take the vaccine, you're gonna do this. Honestly, For a lot of people in my shoes, meaning who think ideologically like I do, we're fiscal conservatives and we're social uh, 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 moderates. Uh, When we see, and I'm a data guy, which you are. So when I see 99.7% recovery rate, I'm like, I see no reason to put something in my body yeah, that but I have no not, idea but it's not, But it's not quite 99%. No, no, no. You're talking. But, but, but hold on, hold on. The yeah. act, you, you can't argue that. 99.7%. But no, 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 no. More, 99.7% is, is the non-fatality rate. That's the, right. That's the, how you're reco- going to recover. But hold on. No, no, hold no. On. It's, that's not recovery rate, William. You have to be precise. That was recovery rate. No, no, because people with COVID, uh, the long COVID, we know for a fact they still have uh, respiratory issues. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and look at the data for the fat fucks, the the, the, the people with one lung, no, the people that's, with all these, that, the people who take steroids, you know? No, no, they, that's not. Yeah. No, no, that's but, not. But hold on. We're getting off topic. But the but, point but, that but, I'm making is yes. this, is I agree with you. Yes. And the data that proves my belief is actually the correct one is these stupid regulations they had where right. certain people had to follow them and others did I, it. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. There, there's, no, there's no logical or scientific basis to have a split policy based on residents of yeah, origin. Yeah, and we can argue why in terms of the theory oh, well, we uh, but at the end of the day it, it to me it just shows this was not as serious as they were pushing on us because when they when push came to shove and he did this for money this is he he made this change here for money you mean a small number of people yeah. have an outsized impact on our economy of That's course a from adams oh, of so, course so they're still crapping on the working class while giving those, while giving the halves and uh, uh, out. That's, o- that's obvious. You know, it's the same reason Wall Street uh, traders get certain breaks as well, right? Because when you look at the tax rolls, Wall Street provides something like 20, 25% of the city's income in terms of tax uh, income. So yeah, you're going to give them, uh, yeah. And they should get the break though. If you're, if you're footing the bill, you know, people- Well, no, here's, here's my thing. Tax, taxes are theft regardless oh, that's right, that's of, right. of, of, of so you're of, on my side just just by default 
But, well, yeah, on principle, I hate taxation. But anyway, okay. But, so but hold on, hold on. I have a question for you on this. Sure, let's wrap so, it up. We got one minute. Right. So when COVID hit, yeah. the Nets said, told Kyrie Irving, you're just not playing, period, before any mandates, any of this. Do you think the Nets were trying to force him to get vaccinated and yes. eventually came yes. because they saw he wouldn't? Yes, no doubt. Yes, yes. I, I, they wanted him vaccinated because uh, unvaccinated players, especially at the start of the pandemic, we saw what happened. Uh, they, the entire rosters could be wiped out, especially uh, in, in closed, so since basketball courts, even though there were no uh, fans in the stands, uh, the closed environment, unlike football being in an outdoor arena for the most part, uh, posed a greater risk of communicable disease. That's just basic physiology. So yes, they were trying to strong arm him into getting the vaccine. There's no doubt about that. Now, the final question. Uh, it's more for Dennis, our basketball insider, but Kyrie Irving is now a full-time player. Do you, any thoughts as to how it changes their dynamics? And yes, absolutely. The if, 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 they, if they actually make it to the playoffs, they're going to be a dangerous team because now you have Irving, Durant is back full strength. They picked up um, the, the guys they got from the Sixers trade, and there's always the outside chance that Ben Simmons will come back. So, yes, if, if Irving can play for the whole thing and the Nets actually have some ground to make up, so if they get the play the, to the play-in and they make it, I think they're a dangerous team. All right, let's conclude there. Uh, William, I love arguing with you. My blood pressure has already been raised a couple of points. Uh, we can't have that now, brother. And you look a little bit red, too. So I think I got under your skin a little bit, too. That's because I'm pulling my dentist. That was the workout. <laughs> but uh, all right. So it was great having uh, this uh, episode. We talked about the uh, uh, baseball free agents. We talked about some of Tim's uh, 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 uh uh, prospects to keep an eye on. You got Tim's tidbit, which I'm hoping is going to be a regular segment. We talked about the big Tyreek Hill trade. We also talked about vaccines and policies in New York City. My, oh my, what a great podcast. And everyone, don't forget, join us again next week. Same Sports Grumblings channel, same Sports Grumblings time, which with podcasts is any damn time you please. Until next time, bye America. Good night, America.